Good morning. Uh, Today we're going to be in Psalm uh, chapter 18 as we start uh, a new series of just working through several of the Psalms, just kind of how God speaks to us at this time and and where we are and all that's going on in the world. But before we do, let me pray for us and then we're going to jump in and look at Psalm 18 together today. God, we thank you for the opportunity, uh, even digitally, even in these uh, strange times in this season that we can gather together. Uh, and come under the teaching of your word. We pray that you would teach us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us in all truth and all things today. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so uh, my family and I often get to take uh, a trip. Blessed that we get to take a trip each year. Uh, Usually we try to take uh, some time away together. Oftentimes we've been doing it in the fall. And uh, usually we get to go to... Uh, the beach or or maybe to Florida somewhere just in the area, something like that. But uh, this past year, we had the uh, wonderful blessing uh, of getting to be able to go uh, to Italy. And it just so happened that prices were what they were. And it was a unique opportunity that we got to go. And so uh, Joanna and I took the boys and all all five of us got to go to uh, Rome and to Salerno. We got to go see uh, the Amalfi Coast. Uh, We got to go uh, up and down uh, just that area of Italy. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time and a wonderful time as a family. And it was really uh, a blessing for us in, in a lot of ways just to have that opportunity. But as I was thinking about it, a blessing very particularly in, in some different ways. One, uh, two of my children, uh, two of my boys had never been on an airplane. And so it was very exciting for them to get to do that. Uh, none of them had been, uh, Asher had been to Canada, but uh, beyond that, none of them had ever been overseas or, or out of uh, North America. And so that was a big deal for them. And as we went uh, to get to see all the history that we did in Rome, and uh, we got to swim in the Tyrrhenian Sea, uh, where Paul would have, have traveled, uh, that we read in Acts chapter 28. Uh, we got to see the the prison that they believed that Peter and Paul were held in in Rome. And so just all this incredible uh, history, uh, the time together, it was a beautiful time of year, the weather, all of it was just this incredible uh, trip in this time that we got to spend together. But one of the things that I so fondly remember as I was thinking about it, and still today when we talk about that trip as a family, that just was really overwhelming. And it was this, is the, the gratitude Uh, of my children and and our family together to be able to go and get to do this. Uh, That trip is filled with the boys uh, almost hourly as we went to different places. They'd say, Dad, thank you that we got to do this. Thank you that we got to take this trip. They would see new things and were so excited. It was almost like this place that didn't really exist in their minds. And to be there was so overwhelming that they kept saying that over and over and as I thought about that, just that that taking the time of thanking, thanking and marveling over that we were getting to do this and that we were getting to spend that time together uh, just adds to the wonderful memory that it is for our family. And it was such a great time together because I think uh, that gratitude played such a huge part in it. See, the, the simple act uh, of being thankful, uh, of having gratitude plays such a big part uh, in our our lives and in the way we experience things and the way we operate. Uh, I was just reading this week about all the evidence that we now see from from neuroscience, uh, studying our brains, that gratitude and thankfulness literally changes us for the better. 
And I was reading about the ways that it does so and, and some of the things that it was saying in just these different studies I was looking at this week, that it helps us to release toxic emotions, that there's studies that show that it can even literally help us reduce physical pain. When we're thankful and, and we're uh, expressing gratitude regularly, it changes our sleep quality. Uh, it reduces stress and anxiety. It helps with depression. In all these ways, it's shown to literally change our brain. Uh, the, the chemical releases that are there when we're thankful and there's a, a sense of gratitude in the way that we operate. And so thinking about that and, and thinking about all the things that we're wrestling with in our world today and the stress that it produces and the, the things that we're, we're seeing come at us, uh, sometimes uh, right now it can hard, be hard to be thankful or it can be harder for us to express gratitude, especially when there's so many things unknown. When we see a, a global pandemic that's uh, taking jobs and, and things that were certain before seem very uncertain or things that felt certain before now seem very up in the air. And we're starting having to deal with a lot of uncertainty. And sometimes all those things kind of pressing in can keep us. From having that spirit of thankfulness or gratitude that's so very important for the way uh, that we operate and the way that we deal with stress and anxiety and the things that are coming at us in our life. And so today I, I want us to look in Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at the Bible, what it says in Psalm 18 and the way it helps us to deal with the stress that we see in our lives and the way God speaks to us. And how he's speaking uh, to David and, and what he's saying and the way he's speaking to God in this psalm. And there's so much here that helps us to understand how to be thankful in all things. And it's important that we do so and we think that way. It, it, it helps us as we spend time in God's word to, to, in a way, reset our minds. To kind of clear the clutter that is there. And so I want us to think about what David helps us to see, the way he models this gratitude, this thankfulness, this praise of God in all things. And what he does here helps us to understand as we look at God's word, the way that we, too, can operate in the same way. And so uh, as we think about this, I just want to remind you as we go into this psalm today, what the Apostle Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter five. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he writes this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so as we think about how to be thankful, how to have gratitude in all things as we look at this psalm together today, I just want to remind you that God's will for you in your life is to give thanks in all circumstances. So often I've talked to people that will say, uh, I just want to know God's will for my life or how do I know or I'm trying to discern that or what does God want for me? And there's things that scripture tell us so clearly and plainly of what God has for us. And one of those there in first Thessalonians is that we would be praying without ceasing, rejoicing, always giving thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for us. And so I want us to think about how we practically do that as we look at Psalm 18 together. And so Psalm 18 is, is a unique psalm in this regard. 
Uh, we see it there in, in the, the book of Psalms, which is these songs, these prayers that are that are expressed to God. And it's this beautiful book in the Bible of how they have all been compiled together. But Psalm 18 is unique in that we see this psalm repeated in Second Samuel, chapter 22. It's uh, placed there in the historical time of, of King David, right at the end of his life. Uh, if you're new to the Bible or you're new to faith or you're maybe just asking questions. You're not sure where you stand when we read through the Bible. First uh, and second Samuel uh, are historical books that take us through a period we call the United Kingdom, where Israel was united under one king. And it happened in succession for three kings, starting with Saul and then David and then Solomon, each one ruling right at 40 years. So about 120 years, Israel was in this united kingdom under one king. And in first and second Samuel, it tells us of David's life. Now, David, you may or may not know, wrote many of the Psalms that we have. And so we have uh, the, the Psalms that tell of his singing of praise. And then we have the historical books that tell of his life. And here they kind of intersect in this particular Psalm as it's placed in second Samuel at the end of David's life and also in the book of Psalms. And so it's a unique psalm in that regard that we see it twice in the Bible. But if you know anything about David's life, this psalm, and it tells us in Psalm 18, there's a the subscription transcription right there at the beginning that tells us uh, that David wrote this after God preserved him as Saul was chasing after him. And if you know the story of the Bible as David became king after Saul, Saul wanted to kill David. He was after him. But God preserved him through this. And so David writes this psalm of thanksgiving in light of that. But then we see in Second Samuel, it's placed at the end of David's life. And it's almost like this psalm serves as a reminder of all of David's life and the way God preserved him. And specifically for that particular instance. And so as we read and come to this Psalm 18 today, uh, that's a little bit of the history behind it. But I just want to remind you, it, it makes... Um, it's a picture uh, of God's work in David's life throughout his whole life, this particular time. But also more broadly, it's true of who God is and who he is in our life. And so let's look at Psalm 18 together. As we do, I just just want to uh, frame it like this. If you've been around uh, CODA for any amount of time, we do uh, what we call DNA groups, which are three or four guys getting together, or three or four ladies getting together for accountability and confession and reading through God's word together and, and growing uh, together. And one of the things we do in those DNA groups as we're reading through the Bible is we ask some basic questions in our reading. And really, that's the way I'm going to frame this psalm today. But those questions that we ask that help us just in our growing and our Bible reading together is who is God? What has he done? Who am I in light of this? And then how should I then live based on who I am in Christ? And so I want us to think that way as we read through Psalm 18. That's kind of the outline of the way we're going to do it. And so let's hop in. Let's jump into Psalm 18 together and just ask that first question of who is God as David is professing about who God is. And so in verse one, in verse two of, of Psalm 18, it says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. 
And he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. And so David is professing who God is as as he sustains him in this difficult time in his life. And he calls out and he begins to talk about who God is, that he is his rock and his fortress and his deliverer. He is my shield. He is the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. And David starts to give us this picture of, of who God is. That he is the rock and he is the stronghold and he is the one we look to. And as you start to read through the psalm and he he continues to flesh this out as he talks about who God is. And I'm going to give you just some big picture ideas, but I would encourage you to go back and read through and meditate line by line on this psalm and think about who God is, what this reveals about who God is. But David will say not only is his rock and his stronghold, he'll say in verse 25, he's merciful. In verse 26, he's pure. In verse 28, he is the light by which we see. He'll talk about how he is perfect and his word is true in verse 30. And he will go through and just begin to talk about how uh, who God is and the glory and grandeur uh, of the God we serve. And I, and I want you to think about why this is so important to start there, especially as we think about thankfulness, especially as we try to make sense of everything that's going on in the world and the way in which we operate. But when we think about this, of who God is, in some ways, I think of it as, as kind of clearing the clutter of our minds. Maybe you're like me. Uh, uh, sometimes my desk can get kind of crazy and papers everywhere and all sorts of things. And I sit down and a lot of times I have to kind of clear that clutter off before I, I sit down to type or work or read or study or whatever it is. Because it, 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 it frustrates me having all this mess around and, and I literally have to clear the clutter off my desk to be able to think straight. And, and I think it's a good analogy of the way our minds get sometimes, especially when things are out of sorts as they seem to be today. When things aren't exactly what we're used to. And so we have to clear the clutter of our mind as it is, because what happens is so many things begin to press in on us. The circumstances of life and the way they are right now, they kind of start to press in on us in all these different ways and it can clutter our thinking and we can get so overwhelmed. It can lead to us being anxious. Uh, I, I think sometimes when we look at the uncertainty of what's going on and when will this social distancing end, and when will this pandemic change and when will there be shifts and we, we start to ask these questions and we go, well, what if this happens or or what if it goes this way or or what if this were to come up or what do we do? If, and we start to ask all these questions. And what we're doing is we're letting the circumstances of our life kind of clutter our mind and press in on us in all these ways. And by stopping and coming to God's word and doing as David does here, professing who God is and what we know about him and the way that he has cared for us and saying, who is God? It helps to clear our minds. You know, I oftentimes think uh, of things and and song lyrics. Uh, I listen to music a lot. Oftentimes when I'm writing sermons, I have my headphones on and I'm listening And in fact, this week, as I was working on this and thinking about it, I was listening and and a song immediately came to mind as I was thinking about this kind of clearing our mind and looking to who God is. And a friend years ago who wrote a song that's that's become uh, one of my favorites for years. 
And in the song he wrote, it's called a closing prayer. And he says this in the song. He talks about how we've been holed up for years in the tower of fear, doubt and shame. And he says, climbing the walls, trying to get out from underneath our own weight. And then he says, looking down at our feet when one look up is all it would take. And I love that picture, the, the, the image that that paints, that we struggle through in life and in fear and doubt and shame. And we're struggling and we're seeing those things. And it says, and, and one look up was all it would take that if we would just stop and clear our minds and look to the God of the universe and who he is. And so that's what David is doing here. And he's professing who God is, that he is my rock. That he is my fortress, that he is my deliverer, that he is my shield. He is the stronghold. He is my salvation. And it's very much what David is doing is what we talked about just at the beginning of the year when we were going through our series on prayer. Praying prayers of adoration and starting that way with who God is and the way he's revealed himself, setting ourselves on God's glory and on his face to begin with. Because when we start to do that and we start to meditate on who God is and approach him in that way and pray in that way, it starts to set everything else in its right place. And so we begin with the glory of who God is. What has it said? What has God said? What has he shown us about who he is? And so there's several ways I do this regularly in my life. Uh, I like to go walk, clears my head, gives me opportunities to pray. Uh, oftentimes I will read while I'm walking, use my phone, read as I go, hopefully not tripping, <laughs> falling as I go. Or uh, I, I like to go and just meditate on certain verses, verses that committed to memory or, or verses that I'm just kind of working through at the moment. Uh, even this week's Hebrews uh, chapter one in verse three, which says he talking about Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact print imprint of his very nature. And then it says, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so I stop and I think about who God is, that he speaks all things into existence and he upholds them by the word of his power. We exist because he says so. And I say that a lot because it's so important to me to be reminded that that's who God is. That's part of his glory and power. And it helps set things in their proper place. And so we begin here with who God is. But then the second question is, what has he done? Not just who he is, but what has he done? And, and there's two ways I want you to think about it as you read through this psalm and as you spend time, as I, as I hope you'll go back and, and really dig in and spend time in Psalm 18. But I see it in two ways. The big movements, the big cosmic uh, creation movements that God does and the way he holds all things together. But then also the personal is David's recounting how how God has personally moved in his life. And I think it's helpful for us to think that way when we ask the question of not only who God is, but what has he done? And so the first year you you see uh, in verses 12 to 15, he's talking about God and, and the way he's moving and the way he comes. And he says he thundered in the heavens and the most high uttered his voice. And it talks about how in, in verse 12, uh, hailstones and, and coals of fire broke through his clouds. And I was thinking about just even the way that's written. What it tells us about how it says 
that the that he orders the thunder and lightning and the hail that comes and it comes through his clouds that God can say that that the clouds and the creation and all things are his. And we start to think about what God has done and he is in control and he is working and he is doing these things. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. It makes me even think of the language that's used here, that David's recounting the way God moves and the way he controls things, the way God speaks to Job in chapters 38 to 41 of Job. It's similar here as it talks about the the foundations of creation and the way he orders it and and how he is over that. And so you see these great big movements like we see in the book of Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? God says. Where were you when I closed up the sea? And, And you see these great big pictures of God's glory, that he is the creator and sustainer of all things. What has he done? He has created all things and he holds all things together. But then there's also a very personal part of the way David talks about how God is active in his life in this psalm. And I'll say, uh, God is the one who hears me when I cry out to you in my distress. You hear me. You hear my voice. That God listens and he hears us, that he's not far off and he's not indifferent to what we're going through. Which the cross proves as we as we thought on last week at Easter and as we come back to every week. But then he says he's rescued me in verse 17. He supports me in verse 18 and verse 35. He delights in me in verse 19. And he starts to look at this list of what David is saying about who God is, but not only who he is, but what he does, that he rescues us, that he keeps us, that he equips us. In verse 28, he lights our way. In verses 39 to 40, he strengthens and equips us for all that we do. He never forsakes us or leaves us. He is with us. He upholds us. He meets our needs. He is our salvation. He is the one who saves us. And the list goes on of all the things of what God does and what he does personally for us. And not only do you see the great big movements of who God is and what he's done, but you see personally the way he's moving. Now, when we read through the Psalms, sometimes if you read through this chapter and you start to dig in and and read all these things and you're asking these questions, as as I hope you will, sometimes we see things that seem out of step with what our understanding is of God in the New Testament. For example, if you read through this Psalm and you get to verses 20, to 24 and David begins to profess about the way God has dealt with him and the way he has cared for him. But he seems to be saying in in his language here that God has done so because David is such a good person. And you can read verses 20 to 24 and you can read it and sound like this sounds a little bit like David's good works have earned God's favor in his life. Right. As you start to look at what he says. He talks about not being blameless, right? I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. So the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. And you start to hear these things and say these things and go, that sounds a lot like a works based righteousness. The opposite of what Jesus came and taught and pointed us to. But if you look closely at the whole of the psalm and what David is saying, And the picture that emerges here is that he is saved by faith, that he is saved by trusting in who God is. 
In fact, oftentimes in the Old Testament, when we see these passages where it talks about people being blameless before the Lord, like with Noah, uh, we see the same with Job. We see David here applying it to himself and saying this. But what we know in each one of those men's lives and what we know throughout history is that no man is perfect except when Jesus comes to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We certainly know from the story of David and his life that he was not perfect. David made all sorts uh, of terrible mistakes and sins. He rebelled against God. But when it talks about being blameless in the Old Testament, this idea really comes to this uh, back to this uh, does not lay blame. Blameless in the sense of confessing that I don't have it all perfectly together, that I don't blame God for my rebellion, that I don't lay blame on others, but I confess and I recognize my own shortcomings and failings. And so what you see, if you look closely of what David is saying and what he's doing here, and what he keeps coming back to is that he is clinging to God, that he keeps coming back to him and that he keeps holding fast to God's word and what he has said in all things. And then if you look at the very next section in verses 25 to 30, and he talks about how you show yourself uh, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. And with the blameless, you show yourself blameless. And with the purified, you show yourself pure. And then you get down to verse 27 and it says, and you save humble people. And it's showing us and it's pointing us back that it's God who saves. It's your way that's perfect, that you're the rock, that you're the one. You responded. And so I responded. Right. And what David is saying and what he's wrestling with, and he doesn't have the fullness of the revelation that we have now as we've seen Jesus in his completed work. But what you're seeing him wrestle with is that God has been faithful to him. And that God has preserved him and that God alone is his rock and he is the one that is taking care. And so he saved by not laying blame, that is by putting his trust and his faith in God and what he has done. And so the truth is, David sees this, but we see this even more clearly today because we have the fullness of revelation in Jesus. We talk about what God has done, who God is and what he has done is that he has saved us by his doing. Not by our good works, but in spite of us. He saves the humble. Our part is to admit that we cannot do it and we desperately need Jesus to come and do it for us. And he does. As Jesus comes and lives the life that we haven't lived and he dies the death that we deserve and he gives us his grace by his mercy to be accepted through faith. And even our faith is a gift of God and it's all his doing. And so we talk about what has God done? He has saved us. He has sustained us. He has kept us. He has walked with us. He is the very ground on which we stand. We could say it like this. God has done it all. Every bit of it along the way. And so we start to think about what God has done. And that leads us to who we are in light of that. And when I think here about what it says in Scripture, but here specifically in Psalm 18, see this beautiful picture of what God has done and we see these great big movements of his glory, but we also see his intimacy as he talks about hearing us and knowing us 
and delighting over us. And it's a beautiful picture of who God is and what he's done. But the last part I want us to consider in light of that is who we now are and how we live in light of who we are. And so I want you to challenge challenge you to really think through this uh, personally. To read the psalm and to think about what God says here and what David is professing about who God is and what he's done. And who we are in light of that and to make it personal. You know, uh, we've been putting up uh, kind of a, a liturgy on our website each week, our, our online worship. And there's some reflection questions there that you can download. There's some different pieces this week. There's some prayers printed as part of it. And then there's a reflection right after, which is also in the, the downloaded uh, reflection for the week. But in that taken uh, what David is saying here about who we are and in light of who God is and what he's done and just put it in personal pronouns. And I would encourage you to go and to read through and to look at that list of what God says about who you are. Just here in this psalm, as we look at it, as we cling to him in faith, as we come to faith in what Jesus has done for us, what is now true of us, I am saved. I am rescued. I am listened to. I am supported. I am delighted in. I am purified. I am blameless before him. I am equipped with strength and I am loved. And that is what is now true of you in Jesus. Now, you can read that list and you can think through and it says I'm I'm blameless and I'm purified and I'm delighted in and you can go, I'm not sure about that. Really? Blameless? I'm, I'm not blameless. I'm not perfect. And that's where I would point you back to who you are in Jesus. In Jesus, you have been forgiven. You have been made new. Jesus has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so God can look at you and say you are blameless. That you are purified. That you are delighted in and over because of what Jesus has done for you. And so when we feel that and we start to recoil back. That's not me. Let me tell you to look to Jesus. Look to the glory of what he's done for you and who you are in him and rest in that because you are delighted in. You are loved. You are blameless. You are made new. You are equipped with strength for everything that you will face because it is not you, but it is Christ in you. This is who you now are. And so the last part I want us to consider is as we take that in and we we think about who God is and what he's done, who we are in light of him is this. That when we think about this image of all that is said here. And we look at what's going on in the world and we can begin to struggle with it. And those things can be kind of crowd in and and push in on us. The circumstances of life that when you see who you are, who God is and who you are in light of that. That you are loved with a love that is beyond comparison, that I am cared for by the God of the universe who is in complete control and nothing can separate you from him, whether in life or death. Nothing. It puts everything 
in its right place. And it leads us to a place of gratitude. Of thankfulness because of what God has done. What he's done on our behalf and who we now are in him. And when it begins to to lead to that, how do we live in light of this? And David gives us a beautiful picture here. How do we live in light of that? We live in the way David is expressing here in this song. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation with thanksgiving and praise. Or verse 49, for this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Or you go back to the beginning. I love you, O Lord. You are my strength. And I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And a gratitude and a thankfulness and a praise comes out and it changes us. It changes us in profound ways, even in the midst of everything that is going on. And so as we end, I just want to encourage you in very simple, I hope very practical ways that this is living out in our lives right now, right now in these days and in these times. Take time and spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer, pray without ceasing, rejoice in all things, but come to God's word and ask these simple four questions of of who is God and what has he done and who are we in light of him and how should we then live? And as we're doing that, what comes to the surface is a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for who God is and what he's done. And then it leads us to praise him, like it says in in verse one and in verse three. And then here at the end, verse forty nine, David is coming back and he's he's bursting forth in songs of praise. And so this week, part of our our worship online is two songs. Psalm 18, uh, I love you, O Lord, and Defender, which both of those songs come directly from this psalm. Directly. And both of them profess that God is our rock and he is the one who saves us. I love you, O Lord, because you saved me. And I would encourage you to spend time with your family, spend time alone with the Lord. Go, go walk on your street and put on your headphones and sing your praises to God out of gratefulness and thankfulness because God meets us in that. It is his will for your life that we would be praising in all things. And it actually changes us. God saved us into this. And as he continues to save us, he continues to show us his goodness in all things. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the glory uh, of this passage. I thank you for the beauty of Psalm 18 and the way you preserved it. I thank you the way you preserved David and his life. And you do the same in ours. We pray that you would continue to, to teach us and lead us and guide us in all truth. I pray that this week... We would be overflowing with a heart of gratefulness and thanksgiving. uh, The will that you have for us, that we would be rejoicing in all things. And it would all be because of who you are and what you've done. We pray it all in Jesus name.